Welcome to 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, the only Mavericks podcast still recording on the floor of the American Airlines Center. I'm Tim Cato. I write and talk about the Mavericks, and we've got Kevin Gray from 105 Through the Fan. What's your What's your title over there? Um, host, Mavs insider, reporter, master of none, jack of all trades, master of none. Is the podcast guest. Yeah, podcast so, guest. Yes. We're, we're going to record for 77 minutes. Yeah, I'm excited to be on, man. Love the podcast, the variety of guests. and Absolutely. Your podcast feels you're doing your thing, man. Your podcast now. Yeah. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. So so the Mavericks win 103-94. Good win. It's a uh, it's a two one series lead uh, deficit. Uh, Suns still lead. Sorry to report that. I, yeah 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 yeah. Probably know that one. But you know, I thought it was a good win, and I thought more importantly, um, the Mavericks played Mavericks basketball. They used the Mavericks formula to win this game, and I'll tell you exactly why. Man, I sound really radio-y right now. <laughs> Here's this thing that happened. Yeah. But let me tell you why. Uh-huh, exactly. Man, you got man, your radio voice. Man, man, I'm, I'm good at this. I have that kind of effect, you know, when we get radio guys together, that kind of happens to the, the other person. Honestly, honestly, it's whenever I start sounding too professional, like, on this <laughs> podcast, I'm like, all right, all right, all right. I got I to gotta slow I gotta down and really stop it out. Bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this ain't, this ain't me. This ain't me. We're, we're, like, we're barely working at all times. Anyway, yes. Kevin, can I tell you? The stat that I thought was the most important one of the game. Please, please. Okay, let's do it. It's that the Phoenix Suns played this game, and they had 88 possessions. The The pace was 91. Clearly, Phoenix is a team uh, that runs. They're very good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I've noticed, and, and I'm, I'm going to get back to building this point, do you notice how when they outlet, especially the, to Booker, they're always outletting like two feet in front of him? Yes, they do, and I think that's by design to get him downhill as much as possible because when he gets downhill, it's hard to stop him. And with a guy with his size that can finish at the rim, you can see why purposely they want to get him downhill as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah. once you start noticing, you can't like stop. Mm-hmm. And especially for my seat, uh, you know, the media seat I'm in, like it's, it's right in front of me. Every time that Booker is, is just so clearly getting that pass, it's to the outside of his left hand if he's on the left side of the court mm-hmm. and, and you know outside of his right hand on the other side. And, and they do it with Chris Paul a little bit too. And I thought Reggie Bullock and, and his ability to guard him the entire way of the court was important. But you know, I just thought that was so telling uh, that, that Dallas really dampened the way that Phoenix was trying to run, that they had successfully won... won successfully run in the first two games Mm -hmm. and and i thought that was important they only had seven fast break points yeah i thought a lot of that had to do with the deflections getting the hands in the passing lanes trying to slow the offense down to where they're not getting out into transition the way that they like to and i thought one that was one of the biggest differences from games one and two to game three was the active hands of the mavericks and their ability to generate turnovers and try to slow down this team from getting out in transition what we know that the Suns can be lethal at. Right, right, right. You know, like when you take 14 more shots than your opponent, that's good. Yeah. You know, and especially an opponent that is this good at shot making, like, sure, they finally, you know, got Phoenix to shoot under 50%. That matters. You're not going to do that every game. I I think in a lot of ways, a lot of what we saw against Phoenix tonight in Game 3 was stuff that's outliers. But I don't think it's an outlier if you 
if you can once again dampen the pace, mm-hmm. if if you can take 14 more shots like the Mavericks did, um, again, some of that comes from the 17 turnovers Phoenix had. Sure. Chris Paul isn't going to turn it over seven more times, six and a half. No, not Like, that at was all. weird. That was just <laughs> yes. weird. But those are the kinds of things that you need in a game like this where mm-hmm. you need some things that are kind of an anomaly at times, but I think they created their own anomaly, if you will, if that makes sense, by the way that they attacked the Suns offensively with getting in the passing lanes, with deflections. Spencer Dinwiddie was out here playing defense, which we know that's not necessarily a thing for him. And I think from a tone-setting standpoint, you felt that the Mavericks wanted to come out and establish themselves early on. I mean, they held the Suns under 25 points in the first three quarters of this game. I think that tells you a lot about the mentality that the Mavericks wanted to come out with, not just slowing the game down, but making sure that they, the Suns knew how they were going to be attacked in this yeah, game. Yeah, I really agree with that. You know, getting back to the Mavericks won their way, they limited Phoenix to 28 threes, and mm-hmm. I think a couple of them were on the very last possession. Yep. You know, like all, all garbage time, all, all meaningless subs. They also held them to 32 points in the paint. Again, some of this just happens because you gave them fewer chances to score. You give Phoenix too many chances, they're going to hit shots. That's what they do. But if you can limit that, and and they did, you know, you're going to win the math advantage. And just like we saw pretty much every game against Utah, Dallas had fewer turnovers by, by nine. You know, they had more threes by 11. They had more points in the paint by 18. You win all those various things. You keep this a slow-paced game. You play energetic defense. Mm-hmm. You know what else? If you play sl- fewer possessions, <laughs> you know who stays more and more energetic into the fourth quarter. Okay. Yeah. It, 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 you know, he had foul trouble this game. Yeah. But I'm telling you, getting Luka in a 90-possession game, a 90-paced game, I think that's going to help him, too, long-term play defense and hold up in the second half in in the way that we didn't see him do in Game 2. Yeah, and I think it helps when other guys are knocking down shots because now not only have you slowed the game down, but the efficiency at which you're scoring with gives you the opportunity to save and conserve some of that energy on the defensive end so that you're not feeling like you need to get up and down in a track meet with a team that you don't necessarily want to do that with. And I thought that was huge, the balance of the Mavericks. You had five guys in double figures, and other guys coming with Luka, I think, really helped them in terms of their efficiency to be able to save some of that energy on the defensive end to help them kind of play that energetic defense that you need them to see against a team like this. Yeah, the big one was obviously Brunson. Yeah, we got to talk about Brunson. I I do think that he he did look a little little bit more aggressive. He talks so much about his mentality and mindset. Um, Mindset always stays the same. Yeah, he says, oh, (laughs) That's his line right there. Kevin's constantly on these uh, post-game press conferences. Uh And and Jalen, to quote uh, his dad in a recent ESPN uh, article, he's boring as shit. (laughs) Yes. And Rick Brunson, wherever you are, you're right. Shout out to you. <laughs> he's consistent, though. We can say yeah. that he's consistent. But but you know what? Forever consistency he had is he has in his mindset. He usually does. Mm-hmm. I thought that he looked just a touch more aggressive. Like, hey, I'm gonna go get my shot. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, he missed two shots that I thought looked a little rushed. He had sure. he had one uh like just dead on pull up transition three. Mm-hmm. Bro, his feet weren't even set just about. <laughs> yes. Um, but you know what? If if missing, and he missed it. But you know, if that's going to be the trade off for sure. just a more aggressive mindset mm-hmm. overall, um, you know, just just a more con- like certain. Oh, this shot. You know, I'm going to get my shots. Uh, you know, 
I think Dallas will take that. No, I agree. I think seeing him get back to attacking guys downhill, and I thought they did a good job, especially Brunson. They were not afraid to go at Aiton in the paint. They were not afraid to go at McGee in the paint, which led to the 50 paint points that they had. But Brunson, from an attacking and a mindset standpoint, that's who he is as a player. When he's at his best, he's efficient. But more importantly, he's getting downhill and attacking guys. And I thought from the outset, you looked at the first and the third quarter, had 10 points in each of the, those quarters there. That was the kind of guy that we saw in the Utah series, regardless of who was guarding him. And the length of Phoenix didn't necessarily bother him tonight, but I think he made a concerted effort to ensure that he was attacking the rim in that way. Okay, so that um, I think one of the reasons the length didn't bother him is that Phoenix just wasn't putting their best defenders on him. Like no. I, I thought they messed up in the in the especially in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. They they gave him several possessions in a row against Land- Landry Shamit. Um, and he missed like the first shot, but then he made a couple. Yep. Don't, why? Why would you do that? If you're the Suns, why would you do that? Why yeah. would you give him a chance to get going? And I don't know if Monty Williams felt like he wanted to be able to try some different things on guys to be able to conserve, you know, Bridges or other guys. But yeah, I didn't like the idea of putting lesser defenders on a guy who you know can exploit lesser defenders. We saw what he did right. in Utah. So I think that gave Brunson a lot of confidence to say, oh, well, they clearly don't respect me based on what I've done so far, you know, in the last series and obviously in the first couple games, I think he kept that same relentless mindset and I think it worked out for him. Yeah, you know, I haven't examined this closely. If I had to guess, Monty was probably just kind of sticking with his main rotation Mm -hmm. and sticking with his usual game plan. I thought that would have been a smart chance to kind of jump ahead. Sure. And be like, oh, let's let's game ahead. Let's let's play some game theory, if Mm -hmm. you will. Uh, I'm using that mostly facetiously, but um, you know, I, I thought I thought that was one thing that really helped uh, Jalen just in general get mm-hmm. going. Uh, you know, it's funny. You know, it, I think we all knew that Jalen was going to get more shots early on Agreed. after all the talk about Luca wearing down, mm-hmm. about all the talk about him needing help. It was pretty clear that they were going to, you know, not force feed because they do need to get him shots. They mm-hmm. do need him scoring. You know, 28 like he had this game. Mm-hmm. But it seemed clear that he was going to get some touches early. I wondered if they would even throw bridges onto him early on. It would make sense to do that. Again, the link. Especially in this game. Exactly in this game because you knew, as you mentioned, the attacking style that Brunson had to play to get his game going, that was going to be a tone setter for them. And other guys had to come with Luka. And the one guy that you expect to come with him, especially in a home game like this, would be Brunson. So I thought there was a missed opportunity to really – put Bridges on him. Let's see how he handles it, even back home with the length of Bridges to see how he works out. But credit to Jalen Brunson. He stayed with it and attacked relentlessly all night long in Game 3. And Monty and and Jason Kidd, I think, in some ways coach similarly. They're very uh, philosophically based Mm -hmm. in terms of we're going to be us. And and I think that's why Dwight Powell has continued starting all their games. And he he did well. Like like let me let me rephrase. The Mavericks did well in Dwight Powell's minutes. Yeah, and Dwight Powell was was as good as you could expect. You know, I thought he was overall a net positive. Mm-hmm. It's still very clear this isn't the series for him. You know, he only played ten minutes. If I, I I'm pretty sure it was six minutes and four minutes. Yeah, to was, start each half. Yes, very short minutes for him. And, I, and yeah, I was gonna say I thought Maxi Kleber did a good job on DeAndre Ayton at times in right. Game Three, providing some of the physicality against him. Like, as well. like Maxi is so clearly the right big in this series. Yes, and I do worry that in Game Four, if you start Dwight Powell again, you're just once again like you you risk going down because you're not playing your best lineup. Mm-hmm. It, it would make more sense 
for me to me to get Dwight some minutes elsewhere in the series. On the flip side, when JaVel McGee is out there, you do want Maxi in there uh, because you know even more than Aiton, McGee's the guy that you want Luca trying to find and cook in isolation. But kind of back to the you know the, the reason that Monty and the reason that Jason Kidd both operate this way is that they they are so centered and focused around belief mm-hmm. and trust in their players. Yep. I know I've talked about this a million times on this podcast. Uh, and I think that's why that, you know, they don't want to change things that have worked so well, you know, not even, you know, really have, have brought them here. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's more that like, you know, obviously in games one and two, Dwight Powell didn't work. That starting lineup didn't work. They got in big holes. I, I think all four times that the yeah. starters opened, uh, you know, all four halves, but it, but it's kind of like a a you know just a just a you know what is it like it's a, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the right word um, uh, like it's an inherent uh, I mean I think it's it's a belief and as you mean a trust in their guys to do and stay in character to who they are and it's funny because we talked about how philosophically these two guys are similar in terms of Kid and Monty Williams I think one of the more interesting and subtle adjustments that was made in this game. Frank Nilakina got Josh Green's minutes in Game 3. And I thought Nilakina, while obviously didn't really do anything offensively, I thought his defense, his presence on the floor, the job that he did on Devin Booker, I thought that was a really subtle, small adjustment that Jason Kidd made that I think made a real difference in this game that I don't think will be talked about nearly as much as it should because we really haven't seen Nilakina throughout the playoffs. I thought his minutes were a net positive for them on the defensive side especially given the lack of playing time that he had. But him replacing Josh Green's minutes, I thought, was extremely effective, and it worked out well, at least in Game 3, for the Mavericks in that way. Right. You can have a philosophy. It doesn't mean you're completely rigid to the point of Mm -hmm. not making adjustments you know you have to or not playing Dwight Powell, you know, only 10 minutes Mm -hmm. uh, if, if, you know, when it's very clear that's the the right move. I I agree. I'd wondered if uh, Nilakina would replace Green and... I think that's the right move. Um, was was he at fault for a turnover in the fourth quarter? Nilakina? Yeah, not not directly, but like you know, he does he doesn't have one on the stat sheet. There was a play where like I didn't have the like Jason Kidd was actually standing in front of me, yeah. more or less standing in front of the scorer's table. <laughs> yeah, at the right angle that I I didn't see didn't what see happened. It? Yeah, I can't. I don't think he was. I don't think so. Um, but. Okay, well let's let's yeah. not fault this man for yeah, something exactly. that I didn't even see. Yeah, so so see, then, yeah. then he wasn't. Anyway, my my one thing with Nilakina is play him like a wing. Play him yeah. the exact same way that Josh Green was being played. He doesn't need to bring the ball up the court, just like Josh Green didn't bring the ball up uh, up the court under you know heavy uh, traffic mm-hmm. or pressure. That that is the only thing that didn't make sense to me. Otherwise, I do think Frank is the right player for the series uh, going forwards. But for this series going forwards, has anything in Game 3 fundamentally changed your belief about this series and ultimately who's going to win it? No, not in my mind. Um, I think the talent disparity is still obviously there. But these are the kinds of games that you have to have from your opponent where they're doing some things that are out of character for them. Chris Paul turning the ball over. DeAndre Ayton not necessarily effective in the post and getting the kinds of shots that he was accustomed to getting. Those are the kinds of things, but I think the Mavericks made their own luck in this game because they were able to 
show that they were a desperate team defensively. And I think that, to me, is what's going to stick out in this game, the desperate defense that the Mavericks played through four quarters and everyone, as Jason Kidd talked about, participating in that way. The balance that they got from you know five guys in double figures, guys going with Luka. But to me, that's the kind of mindset that you needed to have to win a game like this that you just simply couldn't go afford to go down, obviously, three games to none. So now what's going to be interesting going into game four is how will this mindset translate against a Phoenix Suns team that should play a much cleaner game that will look at adjustments based on what the Dallas Mavericks did to them and how they will attack them, especially in the first five to seven minutes of the first quarter? Because I thought, real quick, one of the more interesting points of this game in the third quarter. So Bridges gets a jumper to cut the lead to five, I believe. Yeah. And then Dorian Finney-Smith, at a little bit of a scramble, hits a corner three on the left side, puts the lead back up to eight. Then they go on an 8-0 run to start there. I thought that three from Dorian Finney-Smith was huge to settle them down because it felt like when Bridges hit that jumper that, okay, here comes the Suns. Here comes that run that we've been looking for. And when Dorian Finney-Smith made that three, squelched that little run that you felt like was coming, they went on an 8-0 run. And while it didn't necessarily feel as comfortable as you would like it given the way that they played, I thought that was a huge moment that I think will go underrated in this game. And I think they can take those kinds of small moments with them that they know that they can hold off a Suns team, even when they feel like there might be momentum shifts in games that you'll see in a series uh, as competitive as this one should be going forward, hopefully. I'm with you. I, I think that what the Mavericks did to win this game can work again. Mm-hmm. I do not think it can work for three of the next four. Um, but you know what? We will be recording another episode of 77 Minutes uh, very shortly, to be quite honest. Uh, like 36 hours from now, maybe less than that. We've got a uh, Sunday afternoon tip, and uh, we'll be back uh, that evening. I think it's going to be the normal crew. Uh, so so look for that, and we'll see whether we're right or we're wrong. But anyway, thanks for listening, and we'll see you. And thank you to Kevin Gray. Gray's <laughs> Fortnite. Just like me, I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luke, a big dick Donchich from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you have? Don't fight the future. It tears me apart. Don't fight the future. Please be nice. Future four-time MVP. Oh my God! Oh! Oh! Shut it down! Oh Let's go home! It's a wrap, Doug. Man, that is a wrap. <laughs> Woo!